Welcome to the Live Your Purpose podcast, featuring compelling interviews with big-hearted people in the Oklahoma City metro area who are leading, creating, and innovating on purpose. Get inspired by conversations with passionate difference makers from our local community. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. On today's episode, we sit down with Jeff King, the Executive Director of the University of Central Oklahoma's Center for Excellence in Transformative Teaching and Learning. His research and application interests have long focused on use of engaging educational strategies and activities, on how faculty can help students learn and be motivated towards deep learning processes, and on the ways faculty and institutions can help students persist in their education. This interest has found its way into his current role and as project director for UCO's Student Transformative Learning Record, a process that develops students' employability skills while raising persistence. Over the years as a college faculty member and in faculty professional development, Jeff has been able to match passion to position in helping faculty and students succeed. And now, the Live Your Purpose podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Live Your Purpose podcast. Today, my guest is Jeff King, who is the Executive Director for the Center for Excellence in Transformative Teaching and Learning at the University of Central Oklahoma. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Charles. I appreciate the opportunity to share and contribute however I can to the good work you're doing. Oh, I appreciate that. And it's an honor to have you on the show. We've known each other for a few years, and we'll unfold some of that in our conversation, but I'm really glad to have you on. Excellent. Glad to be here. Well, as you may know, Jeff, we start each episode off with a kickoff question, and you've chosen yours. And so I'll ask that question, and we'll just see where the conversation takes us. All right. So, Jeff, when did you know that you wanted to be doing what you're doing today? Well, I think uh, in some ways it was a little bit of a gradual discovery because the way that I got to where I am today is not the usual route that people wind up in positions uh, such as the one that I hold right now. And so I think there was a uh, shift along the way, and that's probably the, the the timing that you're interested in knowing about. Very briefly, though, I began my uh, professional career as a musician. I actually had gotten my um, bachelor's degree in music and then uh, came out to the North Texas area uh, to attend what was then still named North Texas State University and got my uh, master's degree in music there with the intention of being a a writer and arranger. Um, And I freelanced for several years in the Dallas-Fort Worth area uh, doing that. After I got my master's, I also um, did a little adjunct work uh, teaching jazz arranging at North Texas State University. But um, I guess you could say that my aha moment was forced upon me in some ways because uh, what happened in the early 80s is a technological change in the music business occurred with the 
with MIDI, uh, music interface, uh, music interface, digital interface, um, came on the scene. And that meant that um, advertising agencies, for example, no longer had to hire arrangers to arrange for a 16-piece orchestra and a five-person uh, vocal ensemble to do jingles or whatever. They could hire a programmer who was also a keyboard player. And so I looked around at the landscape and said, might be a good time for a shift, realizing then that I had always enjoyed my time teaching when I was teaching jazz arranging. Uh, and so long story short is that I got into higher education in uh, the faculty route, uh, actually teaching in a music and video production program at um, an institution there in the Dallas area. Um, but along the way, as I continued teaching at that institution, um, I began to do some work in faculty professional development. And that um, very much resonated with where my head was. And I realized that probably I had taken a life time detour, I guess, for several years uh, into the music business, which I don't regret. I mean, I uh, accomplished some things and enjoyed myself and made some money along the way. But in terms of resonance with what one's sole purpose might be, um, that was not it. And as I moved more into working with faculty at the institution, uh, where I had begun working um, as a faculty member, it became very clear that uh, this was something that was developing into a passion. One of the reasons is uh, I got into the science of learning, including the brain science, just to help provide um, a good contextualization as well as background knowledge to work with faculty and uh, found myself loving that kind of research and that kind of interchange with um, faculty. So uh, to conclude this uh, brief story, where I am now has taken that entree into faculty professional development to help faculty help students learn to a new level. And the key difference that I see between being simply a faculty developer in higher education, helping faculty teach well, and doing what I'm doing, which does include that, but much more, the difference between those two versions is that it is possible to help a faculty member develop skills to help students learn content. Um, but helping faculty understand their ability to develop students holistically, to actually develop the human being as a part of helping students learn content, um, in many ways that's somewhat of a quantum leap uh, because it takes you into realms that get beyond what might be considered by many to simply be skill-based developments because 
to understand your personal impact and how to enhance that impact for the betterment of a human being means that you yourself, the faculty member, have to engage in critical reflection. And that's what we do at our uh, center in working with faculty is helping faculty develop critical reflective processes about their own teaching and then helping them develop in their students critical reflections so that the students can begin to understand the arc of their own development across their time at the university. That's wonderful, Jeff. Thank you for sharing that. I didn't know aspects of your backstory. We've spoken many times, and uh, it's fascinating to me to hear sort of the evolution and of your own journey and hearing elements. Uh, I, I do tend to reflect back to our listeners, as I'll do now, just to catch us up on at least my perspectives of what I've been hearing. And, uh, you know, having this initial uh, pull or direction towards music and uh, towards the, the career that you had in mind of arranging, composing, and having that be uh, a lifelong endeavor for you. Uh, and then this moment that came, um, this aha moment, this shift that occurred for you, which, as, as I'm interpreting is, uh, what you had said, the market changed. There was you know, something called MIDI that came up in the 80s that really uh, changed the way that the, the music composition and arrangement was done. Therefore, something in you shifted, and uh, you were at the same time, if I remember correctly, uh, you at the same time uh, were working, beginning to work with faculty at that time. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, I had actually done adjunct work um, teaching jazz arranging at North Texas State University along the same time I was just kind of breaking into the market in the Dallas area as a writer and arranger. Gotcha. Okay, that is really cool. And uh, with that shift that happened there, and I want to dive into the last part of what you were sharing about just now, which is really the core of transformative learning at the University of Central Oklahoma. And I want to invite you to, to introduce us to all of that. But it, when that shift happened, that aha moment, so many of our listeners, they are maybe going through something or they've been through something in their own past, and this may be informative to them. What were some of those elements that really drew you in uh, to, to the direction of working directly with faculty and, uh, and education? Um, one of the things I think that drew me in that direction uh, was very much born from personal experience in the classroom uh, because um, uh, as I was a faculty member myself, um, uh, working with college-age students, it became very clear that some things work and some things don't work. And I think I was probably um, originally internally drawn to doing the kind of things that do work simply because I've always had, I guess, an internal drive to um, help people succeed however I can do that. And so as a faculty member, um, it is possible to observe the kind of teaching, if you will, that goes on among your peers, um, the other faculty at an institution. And many times this is indirect observation because your own 
students share about their experiences in other classes, for example. And um, the absolute favorite class that I ever taught in college um, was a non-disciplinary class because it was a class designed to help students succeed as college students. Um, it's known as a freshman seminar at some universities called by other names other places. But this is the, the class where um, students can develop study skills, time management skills, uh, test taking skills, things of that nature. Um, but uh, it's also a class where in order to succeed as a college student, you have to be succeeding as a human being. And so uh, engaging with that content, uh, I think was part and parcel of what became my big aha moment about where do I feel comfortable, what resonates internally with what I'm doing, what I want to do, where I can see my future going. Uh, and so that work with those students in that class, um, that got into areas such as how to take care of yourself. Because if you're not taking care of your health, then you don't have the energy to be a good student, to study. I mean, um, lots of ways that being a good human is kind of a bedrock skill you have to have to succeed anywhere, whether it's as a student or in your employment or things of that nature. So even though I was teaching in music and along the way during this period, I accumulated enough uh, graduate hours in um, creative writing to be able to teach freshman comp. So for many years, I taught freshman composition, which is not necessarily a class a lot of students look forward to taking. And so um, that was really good for me because um, understanding what worked to engage humans in discussions about their own um, internal processes uh, was pretty important because I, I always told my freshman comp students, this is not a writing class. This is a thinking class because you can't write anything good if you don't have any good thinking behind it. And so um, I think that that aspect of my teaching um, in those years at the university level, working with typical college age students, but some adult learners as well, it was the kind of institution similar in some ways to the University of Central Oklahoma regarding the student body. We had um, older students um, a, a good bit among um, the number of students there. So, so I would say um, in answer to your um, uh, more deep probing on this, uh, as I look back and have reflected about this for many years since then, I realized that connecting with that uh, information to help students develop themselves, both as students, but then as successful humans, um, that was uh, something I guess you could say that jazzed me um, with my uh, jazz background. Uh, and so from there, it was simply understanding the path of least resistance forward was to align with what this kind of work held in the future. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I can tell as, as someone who talks to a lot of individuals, as you do, uh, myself from a professional coaching perspective, uh, which is some of my interest in transformative learning as an adult learning theory that I believe truly complements uh, professional coaching and can do a lot more uh, to help the, the coaching profession itself. And perhaps vice versa. You know, coaching, I think, has some things to offer transformative learning. And uh, so uh, I want to get into, Jeff, if we can, uh, into transformative learning specifically. And I'll do a brief segue and involve myself. I don't want to hear a lot from me during this conversation. I want to hear what you have to say. But uh, where I got interested in something called transformative learning at the University of Central Oklahoma was actually during a, um, this was a pr contemplative prayer practices class that I was co-leading through my church. And we were uh, looking around for places to visit and experiential practices that involve the, the mind, body, and spirit. And the idea of labyrinth uh, came up. And labyrinths are these, these, um, these patterns that you can walk out and these little mini journeys that you can take while practicing mindfulness or prayer or any other kind of uh, even reflective uh, analysis, if you want, while you're walking. And so, a short story, we took this group up to uh, the University of Central Oklahoma, and I had never been to the labyrinth. I was a, a student on campus years ago, and uh, we began the, the practice of, of walking the labyrinth and describing it. And I noticed this, um, this information, I don't know what to call it, but a uh, uh, little pillar. A little plaque. There we go. That's the word. <laughs> information plaque to the side that said that this was a product of the, um, the Center for Excellence in Transformative Teaching and Learning. And I thought, what is that? I don't know anything about this. And so literally, Jeff, from that day, I called you I, and not long after and just said, hey, can we talk about uh, transformative learning and tell me more about this? And so with that segue, I just wanted to invite you to share with us what is transformative learning and, uh, and how does it work there at UCL? Yeah, um, that's a, uh, something I think that is unique in many ways about our university. I think it uh, speaks to the, the vision that um, leaders at this university had back in uh, 2008 when University of Central Oklahoma actually adopted transformative learning as a part of its mission. Um, and so uh, I came to UCO in January of 2012, so there had al already been several years worth of the university beginning to grapple with how do we quote unquote do transformative learning. The reason that transformative learning was um, put in the mission uh, in those years was because as the administrators, the, the president's cabinet was looking around at the time, they were trying to figure out how do we contextualize what we see happening organically on our campus. And they were happy with these student success initiatives that were popping up around campus, seemingly of their own accord. 
The American Democracy Project is one example. The Peer Health Mentor Program is another example. Undergraduate research, uh, another example. Um, and so what um, the president's cabinet was trying to think through was, is there some organizing structure that can look at all 21 of these at the time individually um, initiated student success and student engagement projects, uh, how can we organize those? And when they looked at what was happening in all 21 of those, uh, they were able to identify uh, five general areas in which students were developing themselves, things like leadership or health and wellness or global and cultural competencies. And um, along with discipline knowledge, which students develop themselves in in the classroom, that became UCO's central six tenets. So in that very, very quick background about um, transformative learning here at UCO, the crux of what it is, is that humans, because they are forced many times um, to consider uh, an event or a circumstance that doesn't actually fit into their own world view, their own way of making sense of the world, those instances are termed what Jack Mesero widely regarded the foundational um, person regarding the development of transformative learning. Mesero called those disorienting dilemmas. And um, when a human is faced with a disorienting dilemma, then the road forward is pretty clear. One path says, how do I accommodate this within my worldview? And if I can't, do I either change and expand my worldview or reject what this disorienting dilemma has presented to me and continue on my merry way, pretty much just ignoring it and saying it didn't happen or I don't have to worry about it. But when these disorienting dilemmas pretty much shake you at your foundational beliefs, you generally do have to take that path of um, making an adjustment and accommodation. And so to put this in concrete terms, about how it might happen with a student here at UCO. Um, we at UCO um, have among our student body, we have many students that come to us from small towns in Oklahoma, a fairly homogenous environment there. Most people in their small towns look like them, talk like them. Uh, and when those kinds of students come to UCO, uh, let's say they find themselves paired up in the dorm uh, with a roommate who does not look like them, talk like them, uh, from a completely different culture. And that can be a disorienting dilemma if the student came in with um, a mindset that said um, people like this um, have these particular attributes. And um, they may discover, oh my gosh, that's not the case at all. This person is just like me, looks different, has a different background, 
talks differently, but loves their mom and dad, loves their siblings, um, is eager to do well in school. All the fundamental human qualities are the same as me. So in that situation, that student may say, maybe I need to adjust what up to this point have been constraining world views, constraining ideas that I might have been holding about other people. And so as a result of the disorienting dilemma, that student is pitched into a critical reflection. In other words, thinking about what this, what's happened, what does it mean? What does it mean to me and my life? And should I make changes? Those are, are very much attributes of critical reflection. So in that scenario, it happened by accident, right? This student came, was paired up with someone quite different from her in um, the dorm. What we want to help our faculty accomplish is to intentionally and mindfully design in opportunities for students to reflect about scenarios that may ultimately then expand their view of their relationships with themselves, with others, with the community, and with the environment. Uh, and so working with faculty to help them build those opportunities for students actually as a part of what goes on in the class and teaching the content, if you will, that's pretty rewarding work, not just for the students when it happens, because the faculty can see shifts um, in students when students reflect on these um, scenarios and provide those reflections in audio recordings or interviews or written narratives or PowerPoints, however the, uh, they choose to do it. So it's very rewarding to the faculty to see their own impact in helping students come to some pretty important realizations. Um, but it's really, really um, powerful for the students. And here is uh, something your listeners may find uh, quite fascinating regarding the process we have in place at UCO to do transformative learning, and that is our Student Transformative Learning Record Initiative, STLR. I will save the mouthful of words and simply say STELLAR. I'll use the acronym going forward, but your listeners may find it fascinating that because the students over the course of their time here themselves keep these reflective artifacts, whether it's written or projects or whatever, those are collected in the Stellar ePortfolio. And so as the students go along from freshman to sophomore, junior and senior, many times in their senior capstone classes, there is a summing up, um, which is required. That's the purpose of a capstone. You know, what have I learned across these years in my discipline? But it's more than just in the discipline. And when students go back and look at the things they wrote, let's say as a freshman, compared to what they wrote as a junior, 
or how they think now. We've had students say to us, I had no idea of my own journey and the, the distance that I've come in my thinking. Some of them have even said, I'm almost ashamed to read what I wrote when I was a freshman because now as I've tracked this across time, um, I can see the arc of my own development. And so this is very rewarding um, for students. So uh, that's a brief description of what transformative learning is and then what its effects are here at the, uh, at the University of Central Oklahoma. Um, the side benefits are that students get better jobs because they're better able to tell their own story about how they can add value to an employer, for example, uh, because they see where they've developed as leaders and they can refer to that or where they've developed um, an expanded global and cultural competency mindset. Uh, but then it also, Stellar has also had wonderful benefits in retention, that is keeping students in school. And actually it also associates with improved academic performance. So we're, we're quite happy with it. Um, and I don't know if you want me to share a little of what a stellar actually look like mechanically, you know, what happens, what do faculty do and student affairs professionals do, but I'm happy to do that and can try and keep it to just a few minutes if you'd like. Well, Jeff, we can definitely go that direction. Let me just pause here a minute and, and hit a couple of key points that stuck out to me, at least during our talk. Um, thank you again for, for describing um, what transformative uh, learning is and how it operates at the University of Central Oklahoma, what it looks like from different perspectives. Um, one of the key words that for me resonates between, there's several, but one of the key words that resonates for me between transformative learning and coaching as I practice it, what I practice is really a form of transformative coaching. It has a lot to do with how do you make sense of the world, what are your belief systems, what are your values, in a non-judgmental way through dialogue with another individual which is a key component of transformative learning as well, whether that's through the faculty and staff or, or a third party evaluator, which I'm doing some of that work with students now. Um, very grateful for that. And, and then being able to process and critically reflect, in, in my case, with a client who's a coaching client on their own experience, their own interpretation, their own uh, perception of how they may be stuck or uh, suffering in their own conflict with the reality of their lives as they understand it, and then building ways that are constructive, that allow them to make new meaning out of their life experience, and then integrate that, incorporate that, literally embody that knowledge, and live that out into new experience. And then with coaching, they come back to me and tell me how it went, which is really cool. I get to track that long term. As a, as a fellow teacher, I love teaching. I love the light bulb moments that go on for students, for clients, for society. I don't care who they are. I am uh, just really on fire when I see that happen, when people wake up or have these 
moments of realization that improve their lives or sometimes make their lives more difficult, but, uh, but certainly help them to make sense out of reality. And that comes to the word purpose for me. And you mentioned the word intention, you know, mindful. Uh, these are things that I believe, and this is my own perception, that, uh, that our society desperately needs in our times uh, at, at the social level but also at the individual level, as this generation comes up, and I'm the father of two daughters that are teenagers, uh, Gen Z, and boy, do they want to make a difference in the world, and, and millennials, and I hate to categorize, but there are so many uh, people in the world right now that are looking for ways to make a difference, and that's where transformative learning has just lit a fire in me, and to hear you talk about um, those disruptive experiences, the disorienting dilemma. This is something that happens in all of our daily lives. Simply going to college can be a disorienting dilemma. And here at UCO, you have a structure in place to help students navigate that and become better human beings while becoming better students and better employees as a result. Win, win, win. <laughs> so, uh, I just wanted to give that perspective and feedback, but I, I do want to give you back the microphone here and you take this in the direction you'd like to. I'd love to hear more about the mechanics. And uh, if, if we have time, I think we will love to hear about how others can get involved. How is Stellar getting out into the community or out into the world? So there's two different directions and I'll allow you to take it where you'd like to. Surely. Um, I'll be very quick just to um, speak a little bit about what actually goes on to uh, help these students develop this, these kinds of transformational um, experiences and understandings. It can happen in both the classroom as well as outside of the classroom. Uh, and we built it, we designed that in from the very beginning, knowing how important learning outside of the classroom is uh, during the college experience. And so in the classroom, faculty uh, associate one of these tenant areas, let's say leadership, with an already existing assignment and then um, provide what we term a reflective prompt about leadership as connected to that assignment, which the students then respond to, uh, either written narrative or a PowerPoint presentation or, or whatever the, the um, venue is. And so uh, the faculty then are able to use a set of rubrics to assess along a continuum about whether um, the student's internal reaction simply resides at the exposure level, um, meaning the student was exposed to a leadership concept, but didn't really internalize it in terms of uh, how will I be a better leader uh, as a result of having engaged in this experience or on this uh, assignment. Uh, or the rubrics, the use of the rubrics may mean that the faculty or staff member is able to see in the reflective artifact the student beginning to integrate this concept of leadership uh, more broadly in her own life based on what she describes 
um, on this or within this narrative or other kind of artifact. And then the final um, level, if you will, on the rubric is transformation. And there are some very key um, ideas and even uh, what we're finding now, because we now have over 70,000 of these reflective artifacts that have been collected here, um, what we are seeing is that uh, there is actually certain um, kinds of language uh, that students more typically use when they're talking about transformational experiences compared to just being exposed to a concept. So you can actually see it in these artifacts. Um, and so assignments in the classroom, uh, that's how it can happen in the classroom. And outside of the classroom, uh, with let's say student affairs activities or working with faculty on research assignments outside of class, or uh, because students are part of student groups, um, uh, uh, let's say the Student Government Association across a year as an officer in the Student Government Association, chances are you're probably going to encounter a disorienting dilemma or two along the way. <laughs> and so many times the sponsors of these organizations have the students keep journals uh, across the time that they serve as officers. And at the end of that time, they uh, respond to a reflective prompt that is assessed then. So we have uh, multiple ways to actually go about it. Uh, and then because everything is captured in our learning management system here, um, that means that these data, uh, these responses, the ratings that faculty have given uh, plus um, the description of what those activities were, uh, all of that is available for students to create their own, what we call stellar snapshot, which is a record of their development in these beyond disciplinary areas like leadership, service learning, civic engagement, those other tenets that I spoke of earlier. Um, and that snapshot has been very, very well received by employers. As a matter of fact, I can share briefly uh, why one reason, and only one example of many, uh, why a hiring manager found this record of, these, um, of this development in these areas that were prompted by disorienting dilemmas um, this particular hiring manager said, I always um, want to see the stellar snapshots as part of the application materials. Um, uh, and of course, that means this is good for us. The only people right now with stellar snapshots are UCO grads. So good on us, you know, at least in Oklahoma. There are other places around the country and the world where Stellar is spread. I'll mention that in a moment. But this hiring manager said, if I see that Stellar snapshot, that saves me about 15 minutes in the application interview, because in the absence of that Stellar snapshot, there is this dance that has to go on. The applicant has come in, talked about herself, um, and the hiring manager has to go fishing to pull out 
important information that could tell the hiring manager, is this a good fit as a person uh, for the job that uh, I'm considering this person for? So she said, literally, it helps me know which questions to ask much faster because it's almost like a peek into that student's, uh, that graduate's human development. And what an incredible tool uh, for making a judgment call about, is this somebody that I'm relatively confident six months after hire is not going to be someone who would have been a jerk, for lack of a better term, in the workplace? Uh, and the stellar snapshot of the employers tell us um, help do that. So um, the, the, the value add that our graduates leave with is actually documentable. And it um, is something that students can make multiple different versions of the same way you customize a resume. Um, uh, one version may have leadership um, at the top of the um, document. Another, the same student may think, oh, that place I'm I am applying for, uh, I bet they'd like to see my global and cultural competency development at the top. So these things are all customizable and they all carry the registrar's seal, very official. So finally, I had said I'd share a bit about Stellar's spread. Uh, we've just been absolutely de delighted that other colleges and universities have found us. Uh, and what I mean by that is, it was all the way back in 2014 when the first other institution found us. Uh, and it was because they were doing an environmental scan, looking on the internet, trying to find other colleges that had solved a problem, which was a big one for them. And in that particular case, they had received a government mandate saying, um, colleges and universities in this province in Canada, you all need to do a better job in uh, preparing your graduates for employment. And so this institution started looking around in uh, higher education, who's doing this well and uh, who's doing it in a way that's documented so that we can prove it to the government and to employers. Uh, and so that's a typical story. And so we've had that happen, I don't know, dozens of times over the years. And as a result, many of those institutions get excited about Stellar. They start working with us. They send groups of people here for what we call a Stellar deep dive. They raise the hood, kick the tires, talk to faculty, talk to students talk to our information technology people, and then they go back to their own institution. We work with them by webinar uh, over that time, and they launch Stellar at their own institution because they figure, why reinvent the wheel? This is working great here. We will adapt it to our own culture, our own mission statement, our own students. And now as a result, we have Stellar in place uh, in the U.S., it includes um, places like Western Carolina University, Tarleton State University in Texas. We're currently working with um, California State Polytechnic University in Pomona. Uh, 
they will launch Stellar. They're eager to get Stellar launched this fall. Um, we are uh, working internationally. Um, the same thing happens with international institutions. So we've had stellarizing institutions in New Zealand, in Ireland, in Singapore. We're working now with um, an institution in the United Arab Emirates. Uh, and just a while back, I got inquiries from um, a community college uh, on the Marshall Islands. Um, you know, uh, I mean, it's, it's wonderful. And um, when Stellar is implemented, it's as successful there as it is here. So we're developing a community of practice in higher education and are just absolutely tickled that Stellar had its genesis here at the University of Central Oklahoma and has been recognized uh, by places around the world now, um, as well as in the U.S., as something that makes sense in higher ed. Absolutely, Jeff. And from the moment that I sat down with you that first time and talked for, I don't know, an hour or two about all the all this transformative learning and stellar, and it was all new to me since that day to now. My excitement and passion for uh, transformative learning and stellar has not waned a bit. And just hearing you now, it just rekindles that fire uh, because of the potential, not only into the future, but for the present moment. You know, the, the results or effects, if we want to use that word, uh, are becoming more and more evident. This is something that can be adapted by other institutions. And uh, folks are liking the results, to put it in simple terms. And uh, that's incredibly exciting. I did want to mention that I, my view, I you know, have a lot of educators in my family and a lot of friends in education. My wife is a public school teacher in, in music, uh, you know, elementary music. She's moving to middle school next year. so. Thoughts and prayers for her on this disorienting dilemma, <laughs> which is intentional for her, very much so. Uh, but um, this is transformative learning and stellar, in my view, is really a, um, a feather in the cap for education in Oklahoma. It's really something that our whole state can be proud of. And uh, my hope is that to give you the opportunity here now, but for folks that want to connect with Stellar and transformative learning, then maybe they want to find out more and they're like, you know what, maybe our organization could use this, or I know somebody else who might benefit, or even Jeff, how can I invest in this Stellar and what is it going to be doing in the future? That's a mouthful of different questions, but I guess I would say, how can folks connect with, with you and Stellar? What's coming next and how can people participate? Exactly. Uh, yeah, our um, uh, intent from the very beginning with Stellar here has always been to be completely transparent. So we're not hiding anything. And the reason I start with that is that our Stellar website, which is a very short and easy URL, um, to jot down for your listeners is simply stlr.uco.edu. And there is a treasure trove of information about Stellar there. Um, and anyone who's interested can visit and find out, for example, what are the kinds of um, activities that go on, student affairs activities that are Stellar tagged, 
Um, what are the kinds of projects that students are working on outside of class with faculty that are stellar um, associated projects, as well as a bit more about the history, about the other institutions around the country and the world that have adopted and are adopting stellar. So a lot of information there um, easily accessible. I am happy to communicate with anyone and my um, email address here at the University of Central Oklahoma is also short and sweet. Uh, and it's simply uh, J-K-I-N-G-4-7 uh, at uco.edu. J-King, the numbers 47 at uco.edu. So happy to answer any inquiries by email. Uh, very much so. Um, I appreciate the question about um, how people can become involved. And one of the ways uh, that is um, certainly possible for anyone who might really have uh, had a fire lit under him or her as a result of this conversation and might say to themselves, I would like to donate a little bit of money toward that initiative there is here at UCO a transformative learning endowment fund. Uh, and our, um, our foundation office, our alumni office, if you will, uh, can take any kinds of donations to that TL endowment. And the reason that that is so important is because that's money that goes directly to students. Uh, we, we founded that endowment so that the interest earned every year, that interest is taken, 100% of that is used as money to pay students um, $10 an hour uh, to do things like work outside of class with a faculty member as a mentor doing research, let's say, on a stellar project. Um, and that is a, can be a life-changing experience for a student. So there's certainly that mechanism in terms of getting involved. But the other way many of your listeners might um, be interested in is that it's not just colleges and universities that have approached us about adopting stellar in some form or fashion. Um, we're actually working right now with a program in California um, uh, in which teacher ed candidates from colleges and universities around the state, um, they are able to work in after-school programs like at the YMCA um, or other nonprofit um, affiliated uh, programs. Um, but there's not a way yet to track those students' own development doing that work with, let's say, a 16-year-old at the YWCA, which is incredibly transformational for that teacher ed candidate as well as for the student. Um, so that's just one example of a different kind of an uh, organization uh, where Stellar may be appropriate as an adaptation. And so certainly if you're at a business, for example, and you'd like to offer opportunities for your employees uh, to develop in these areas like leadership or 
uh, other ways. And you have some programs that do it, but you just haven't been able to track it and document it yet. Um, then that's a potential uh, mechanism for becoming involved also. So very good. So lots of ways to get involved. And Jeff, I'll be sure to drop the contact information, the URLs and other information into the show notes of this episode. So anyone listening now, uh, click into the episode and, uh, and check out the show notes for more information. And be sure to reach out to Jeff and, and follow along. Stellar is on, uh, is on you know, Facebook and Instagram and all that can be in the show notes too, but it's not hard to find. Uh, lots of great information on the website. I've spent quite a bit of time myself on it and I will continue to do so. <laughs> well, Jeff King, I want to just wrap up by saying I really appreciate you being on the show, taking your time uh, for, for sharing your story and telling us all about transformative learning and stellar. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. You've been listening to the Live Your Purpose podcast. I hope you've been inspired by my conversation with today's guest. If you like what you hear, please share with your social networks and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. To learn more about the life coaching, public speaking, and retreat services that I offer, visit fullintegrationcoaching.com. And you can follow along with me on Facebook and Instagram at Full Integration Coaching. Until next time, remember, you were meant to live on purpose. Start living yours today.